Hebrews the 12th chapter. It is really exciting to be in this service this morning, to see every one of you here and to hear the choir and, and to uh, enjoy these wonderful songs. I appreciate Brother Jim singing and Brother Robert Coates and these preachers with us today. What a joy and honor to have you here. Hebrews chapter 12, we begin with verse 1. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the privilege of being in God's house. We humble ourselves in Thy presence and ask that the Lord would be honored through what is done, what is said, what is praised, and all that is accomplished today. We want to, in advance, take our hands off and give God the glory and say to You from our souls, how great Thou art. We worship Thee. We pray that the Holy Spirit would right now touch every heart, some who are hungry, some who are questioning, some who have great weighty decisions that must be made, some who have a sense of guilt, and all of us who need the companionship of the Holy Spirit. Lord, meet needs today. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. In Hebrews chapter 12, wherefore... Seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin." Now the theme of the message this morning is in verse 1. The race that is set before us. Every time we read the Bible, we need to study its connective words. This chapter begins with the word wherefore or therefore. Now, whenever you see the word wherefore or therefore in the Bible, you need to ask yourself, what is that therefore, therefore? What does it mean? What does it connect? Is it just an idle word? I believe in the verbal inspiration of the Scripture. I do not believe there are any idle words in the Bible. God saw to it that every word that is there is there for a purpose and a reason. And this word connects what has been said before with what is to be said after. When we're talking in normal conversation, we may say a few words and we say, therefore, so-and-so. On the basis of what I've just said, I want to say this to you. Or as a conclusion, as a, as a result of what has been said or what has been done, here's what's to occur. Well, that's what happens in the Bible. And when you read that word, wherefore, we need to look back and see what is it connecting Everything in the earlier chapters, chapters 1 through 11, 
is a connecting link to chapter 12. But more specifically, everything that is listed in chapter 11 is that upon which chapter 12 is built. And so as we think of the race that is set before us, I want us to think of four things. Number one, the rear guard or the rooters. Number two, the race. Number three, the rules. Number four, the reward. Now first of all, the rear guard or the rooters. The Holy Spirit writing through this uh, author of Hebrews is saying, watch the race. Look at the race. Now we'll get to the race in a few moments. But he says, Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, the rooters or the rear guard are those who have gone in the race ahead of us and are watching and cheering us on. You know, sometimes we get the idea that people who have gone before us are just looking over our shoulders and are critical of us. I think the reason that comes about is because sometimes we as young people have had the impression that older people looking at us are critical of the way we live, and the way we work, and the way we do things because we haven't had as much experience as uh, they have. And I'm sure that's true sometimes. I've heard adults say, well, just, that's just kids stuff. That's the way they are. And uh, they don't know any better and all that kind of thing. I want to tell you, I respect young people. I love them. Now, I know we make a lot of mistakes. I made mistakes. But I love young people. And uh, as the rear guard, as the spectators, as those of us who have already been over the road, look back and see these young folks coming, we need to be the rooters. We need to be the cheerleading squad that says, come on, let's go on for God. And I believe that's what the Holy Spirit is telling us in this chapter. We're in a race. We're in a race. But there, some have already gone before us, and they are rooting for us. And as we see them in that great arena, let's remember with gratitude what they've done. And remember, they are watching us. Now, specifically, these spectators or these rooters or this rear guard are listed in chapter 11 of Hebrews. Let's look at a few of them. In chapter, one, chapter 11, in verse uh, 4, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, why did he do that? Abel was a man of faith. Cain was a man of feeling. Cain and Abel both uh, had some work to do. Abel was a, took care of the herd. Cain took care of the crops. Now they both had the same mother and daddy, Cain, uh, Adam and Eve. And they remembered when Adam and Eve, uh, they remembered hearing the story about Adam and Eve's sin. And God came down. And Adam and Eve were over there hiding themselves and, and they had all these bushes around them and, and limbs and all so on. They remind me of some girls today that don't have much clothes on. And uh, God just looked right through them. Uh, girls don't wear those old little mini skirts uh, and look, just look like something. Wear, wear a dress long enough so that people, you know, don't have to use their imagination and so on. But, but we, we need to watch that. Now, Cain and Abel noticed what Adam and Eve had done. You see, they had put all these little fig trees around them, fig leaves around them, and God said, that's not enough. That won't do. 
And the Lord came down in the cool of the garden, in the cool, and, and he slew an animal. He killed an animal, took the skins and covered Adam and Eve, but it was with the shedding of blood. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And Abel remembered that. And when it came time to sacrifice, Cain went out and did the best he could. He got some of his herbs, and like Adam and Eve, they gathered all these figs and so on, and they did the best they could. You know, I've heard of all kinds of people, I'm doing the best I can. The best we can do is never good enough. I, don't, I think we ought to remove that expression from our vocabulary. I've talked to some men who could be giants and champions for Christ, and they say, well, preacher, I'm doing the best I can. Oh, that's pitiful. That's what, that's what Cain did, the best he could, and it wasn't good enough. Abel, on the other hand, came along, and he took an animal, and he slew it, and it was with the blood that he offered a sacrifice to God. And the Bible says, God honored Abel. He accepted that offering, and he put away Cain's offering. Now, you and I are surrounded by this great arena. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than, than, than Cain. Now, let me ask you, have you offered to God the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you come to a point in your life where you said, Lord, I'm not going to do the best I can anymore. That isn't good enough. I'm not going to turn over a new leaf. I'm not going to join the church. I'm not going to get baptized to try to get my sins forgiven. Lord, I'm coming directly to Calvary. And I believe that what Jesus did on the cross was enough to cleanse me from sin. And I want Christ in my life. I receive Him as my Savior and Lord. And you therefore offer unto the Lord a more excellent sacrifice than the world. And so the writer of Hebrews says, Wherefore, seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, remember what they did. Now there's some men and women in this auditorium and within the sound of my voice today who have done the best they could all their lives. I feel so bad for you. I love you. But my heart aches for you. You've been a good neighbor. You've paid your debts. You've been a good wife or a good husband. You've been a faithful son or daughter. You've done a lot of things. You even go to church. But you have never come to a point in life where you have offered the blood of Jesus Christ as an atonement for your sins and come to God and said, Lord, be merciful. Be a mercy seat to me. I'm trusting Jesus and his blood to cleanse me from sin. And when you do that, Jesus saves you. Now we go on in that chapter. Look, look what else. Look in verse 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out to a place where he should have to receive inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing where he went. By faith, he sojourned in the land of promise. Verse 10. For he looked for a city which hath foundation, whose builder and maker is God. He was on his way to the promised land. The other day at a beautiful funeral, a memorial worship hour, one of the men... Yeah, the pastors in our city sang, I am bound for the promised land. Oh, who will come and go with me? I am bound for the promised land. And that was a song that that precious mother used to sing years ago. And that's what Abraham sang. Abraham said, I'm on my way to Canaan's land. I'm looking for a city whose builder and founder is God. And he went by faith. What is the desire of your heart? 
What are you looking for? Remember that we're covered around by this great arena of Abel and Abraham. And seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run the race with patience and so on. And then he mentions Moses. Down in verse 25, he says, uh, 20, 24, he says, By faith when Moses would come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer the affliction with the people of God and to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. Now, these, this rear guard, these cheerleaders over there, these rooters are standing there saying, go on, go on, go on. I've been in football. I love football. Now, we play basketball at our school, but I, I like football. I like to watch football. And back in the football days at Manual years ago, we'd say, hold that line, hold that line, hold that line, hold that line. And that's what the rooters are saying today. Hold the line. Don't faint in the journey. You see, Moses esteemed the well done of God more important to him than the pleasures of sin for a season. Folks, sin brings some fun. If it didn't bring fun, nobody would sin. Anybody that tells you sin, sin isn't fun, they don't know what they're talking about. Of course sin is fun. But it's fun for a little while. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap carrion, corrupt flesh. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And Moses, Moses learned that truth early. And he fixed his eyes on the Lord. And he said, I'd rather serve Jesus. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail-pierced hand. I'd rather have Jesus than men's applause. How about us? How about us? How about every man, woman, boy, and girl in this room today? Seeing we're encompassed about, let us notice the rear guard. They're cheering us on. Abraham is there. Moses is there. Abel is there. And on and on he calls the roll call of the faithful. Samuel is there. Jephthah is there. And then he just lists. He says, I, I have so many I couldn't tell you about all of them. But the world was not worthy of them. And they're cheering you on. They're watching everybody over in this section. Everybody in the middle section. Everybody over here. They're watching the choir. They're watching everybody here. And they're cheering us on. Now with that in the background... I want you to notice the race. He says, with all that, seeing we're encompassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You and I are in a race. It begins when we meet Jesus at the, at, at the narrow road. Life, the Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 7, there's a broad road that leads down to hell, and there's a narrow road that leads to heaven. And all of us are on the broad road that leads to hell, and we don't have to do anything to get on that road. We were born on it. And when we come to the age of accountability, we're just naturally swept along with the crowd until we hear some preacher out on the street or in the church or on the radio or on television heralding the message, Jesus is the only way, the only truth, the only life. 
and it gets our attention. And the Holy Spirit pierces our heart and speaks to us. And in the middle of that road, we turn around and we turn to Calvary. And we receive Christ as personal Savior and we start on a narrow road that leads home to heaven. But all along, there's that broad road and all these people jostling us and pulling at us and trying their best to get us back on the other road. We're on a race. We're in a race going home to heaven. Now, in a race, you need to keep your eye on where you're going. We had a, I, I used to work with our RAs. Incidentally, we're going to reorganize our RAs here and get them going again. And we had a tremendous RA track team at one time years ago. And we went over to Cedarmore. And while we were practicing for this track meet, we were really practicing for the associational track meet, we had our guys out there, and, and uh, it was back in the days of, of Brother Charlie Wilson's sons, Charlie and Dallas and so on. And, uh, and uh, those guys were pretty sharp runners. And uh, I was trying to tell them that you have to keep your eye down here on what's going on. And so uh, they were running down the track, and I was running along just to watch, see what was going on, see if everything was going on. Incidentally, I used to run track when I was in high school a little bit, and so I knew a little bit about it. Uh, and I, I was running along there, and we had a guy that was out in front of everybody else. And he would have won easily. But he got so caught up in what he was doing, he looked around to see where everybody else was. And he was about... I guess he was a, a whole man's length ahead of everybody else. And he just looked around. And he just started gloating. And I saw him smile. And pretty soon, others started catching up with him. And somebody else overtook him and passed him. Why? Because he didn't keep his eye out there. He got to looking at what other people thought. He looked at, instead of keeping his eye on the goal and keeping his mind on what was to be accomplished in that race, he got sidetracked. You and I are in a race. When we give our hearts to Jesus Christ, we need to keep our eye upon the track and our hand upon the throttle, like that song says. We need to go with all we've got. That's the reason it's so important for God's people, after we get saved, to go faithfully to church. Be there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. I believe in three to thrive. And moms and dads, don't be afraid that your son or daughter is going to miss some sleep. You get them going for God. Drill into them these wonderful, wonderful principles while they're little. And they'll have them all their lives. I know some folks that say, well, I'll just take my kid home. Service is too long, too late. You know, I don't believe that. We've experimented with it. I don't care when you start a service, there's going to be some people who leave early. You start a service at 10 o'clock and let it out at quarter till 11 and 20 minutes till 11, somebody's going to get their coat on and leave. You start a service in the evening at 5 o'clock and at quarter till 6, somebody's going to want to leave. It had anything to do with it being too late. Now, I know sometimes we have late services and... Uh, good to train people to be in late services. You go to a basketball game or a football game and a baseball game and they play overtime and they're there late. Uh, I went to see a guy the other night, or not the other night, a few months ago and they told me he was at a game over at Western. So I thought, well, alright, I'll go out back after a while. I went back after a while. They said, well, he's still at the game. I went back after a while after a while. 
And they said, well, he's still at the game. And so I drove over to Western Sioux was going. They were all there cheering about it. It was late in the evening. And they were all going on strong. And I didn't see anybody leaving. <laughs> you know, in the race, in the race, we need to keep at it. The race, young people, the race is so important. You need to be in Sunday school every Sunday. You need to be in preaching service every Sunday morning. Sunday night, Wednesday night. And keep our eyes on the things of God. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now it does take some patience because the race that we're involved in has some obstacles. People are in a race. After they give their hearts to Jesus Christ, there are some obstacles along the way. There are some things you can trip over. What are some things people trip over on the race? I think they trip over other people. How many of you, don't raise your hand, but how many of you have ever had confidence in someone and then suddenly that confidence disappeared? You, you heard or saw something that you thought that person would never be involved in and here you, you just, here they are. You've got them there, you see? And here's this person. Uh, and, and here he is, and he's falling, and here's what you do. <laughs> and you trip, and you go down because you allowed some person to get in your way in the race. What you ought to do is get up right like that. Go over him and keep on going. You see, God doesn't want us in the race of life to stumble because we put our eyes on people or things or circumstances, but keep our eye out there on the goal. Run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It never said looking unto the preacher. Now, I think preachers ought to live godly lives. It never said look, looking unto the deacons. Deacon didn't come to church tonight. I don't think I need to come to church. I've noticed some people that get saved and they start coming to all the services. They're there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. They get all excited and then they look around and they see, well, so-and-so wasn't there tonight. You know, I guess it's not necessary to come on Sunday night to be a good Christian. And so they don't show up. They stumbled over somebody. Looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. Not only do people run in a race, churches run in a race. What is the race that God has given this church to do? We have an important mission to fulfill. Now God has given 80,000 people in Warren County, brought an influx of folks to this area. There are enough people here that all the churches in this city and county could serve and honor our Lord and preach the word and use every method imaginable to try to reach the people and we'd still let some slip through our fingers. But this church has a great responsibility. We have a responsibility in the race, first of all, to be godly, holy. I believe in holiness. Baptists were preaching holiness 1,800 years before they ever heard of the holiness groups. I believe God's plan is for us to be sanctified unto Him, set apart unto Him, holy unto the Lord. 
God wants us to use methods to reach people. I feel like it would be a wonderful thing if our people would get hilarious in our giving and our giving and gifts would come up so that we could help support the mission programs here and around the world. And in addition to that, have an overflow that could enable us to buy the equipment to have television. We need that to reach people, to do the race that God has given us to do. I believe God wants this church to have an activities building. To have a gym where our students at the Anchorage School can play their games. I guess you saw that article in the paper some last year sometime. Talked about our kids playing out here in the park, out here in the, in the parking lot. And, and uh, at that, the team won the state championship of Christian schools and went to the regional national tournament practicing out there. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you that we would win the national tournaments if we had a gym. I don't mean that. We might fall flat on our faces, but nonetheless, we need that. I believe it's part of the race. God wants us to have that. God wants us to have great soul winning teams going out week after week. God wants this church to be in the race and to keep our eyes not on people, not on our finances, what we can or cannot do, but on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Now I want you to think for a moment about the rules. And I'll not have time to develop this very much. There are rules in the game. God wants us to follow those rules. You know, some people become a Christian. They give their hearts to Jesus. And they say, boy, I got saved and I don't have to worry about going to hell anymore. I can just go do what I want to do. Sunday morning comes and they sleep in. Sunday night comes, they go to the movie. Sunday afternoon comes, they go to the ball game. And then all week long, they do whatever they want to do. And Sunday comes, well, I'm tired. This is the only day I got to rest. I'm saved. You, are you saved? You're going to heaven? Yes, sir. I'm saved. I'm a Christian. I know the Lord and I'm so thankful I'm saved. I want to tell you something. After you get saved, there's some rules of the game. I came from Louisville. And uh, if it weren't for the gambling and so on, I'd love the Kentucky Derby. I don't encourage anybody to go to the Derby. It's a hellhole. Right. Terrible mess that happens there in May. And I know all about it. But I love horses. But I want to tell you something. Those horses that are in the race, the trainers of those horses have to follow certain rules stringently. Or even if their horse wins, they get disqualified. They can't put any little drugs in them. You let them test a horse and find some drug, even if that horse had won the Kentucky Derby, he'd be disqualified and his crown taken away. You see, there's certain rules in the game of the race of Christian life. And among those rules is a holy life yielded to the Lord. A spiritual quality inside of our heart that says, I want God to have his way in my life. Running the race according to the rules. And last of all, 
And I, I sure hate to leave the rules. I may come back and preach on that another time if, if Brother Juan doesn't take all the time tonight. The rules. Oh my. How important to read the Word of God. To obey it. To listen to it. To let its standards become our standards. Its guidelines, our guidelines. And follow it. But the reward? Well, you can't beat this. Pardon, purpose, peace, power, provision. All of that is wrapped up in a little gift. When the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Listen, God wants to give you that gift today. It's all wrapped up in Jesus. And when you receive Jesus into your heart, when you receive Jesus into your heart, you receive pardon, purpose, peace, power, provision. You can't beat that, can you? Suppose I said this morning, look, folks, I've got a gift for you, a million dollars. And I'll give a million dollars to anybody who comes up here and gets it. Well, first of all, nobody come because you know I don't have a million dollars to give. The other day, I said, I'll give a dollar to the first person that comes up here and gets it. And we had two or three kids almost break their neck coming up here to get it. Now, I want to tell you, the gift of God is eternal life. And bound up in that gift is everything that heaven can give you. Everything. But you have to receive it, see. I'm going to do that again today. Here's a dollar. First person gets here, gets it. See, he got it. Now, they learned to believe me when I say that. They did it. This guy's pretty fleet-footed. He's fast. Now, I want to tell you, the gift that God wants to give you today has pardon. Are you guilty today? Do you have sin in your life? You feel bad? You feel... Like there are things inside, if anybody knew about them, nobody would love you. Take it to Jesus. You'll have a complete pardon. In that gift of Jesus, there is power. He doesn't say, well, you just go live the Christian life on your own. He says, I'll be with you and take care of you. I'll help you. I'll be with you. There's provision along the way. My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And last of all, there's heaven. Oh, how good to go to heaven. You know, our church is not very old, 33 years old. But we have over 200 people who have sat where we sit who are now around the throne of God. Our own people. 200 of us. And we're going down the valley one by one with our faces toward the setting of the sun. Not one of us can say for sure, I know I'll be here next Sunday. We can say the Lord willing. If the Lord tarries, if he doesn't take me home, I plan to be here. But all of us are testimonies that we're going on. And I want to tell you, heaven is a wonderful, wonderful place. We stood by the other day as a very precious Christian friend was dying. Took two days. Had hurt so much. 
See all the discomfort and the hurt, and the suffering. And then after a while, she was released. And her spirit went to be with the Lord, and this body took on peace. We're in a state of dying. Everybody in this room is dying. What will it be like when you go down into the valley? Are you depending upon the Lord Jesus to be with you there and take you safely across and place your hand in God's hand forever? Or are you afraid? Is deep inside there sort of a reservation, a fear that says, I don't know, I'm not sure, I'd like to know, I'm not positive. Well, I want to tell you, in that gift that God wants to give you, is everything you need to get safely across that river over into God's presence. Would you trust Him? Would you put your faith in Him and believe Him today? And get in that race and go on with God. May we pray, every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. With every head bowed and eyes closed, we're going to sing in a moment. Come every soul by sin oppressed, there's mercy with the Lord. And right now in this auditorium, there's some who are oppressed by Satan. He has pushed you down. He has hurt you. He has injured you. There's an injury on the play. And you've been limping along. Oh, I plead with you today to go to Dr. Jesus and let him bring the healing your heart craves. And if there's someone here who has never been saved, you've never been born again, why not today? Just say, Lord, I need you. I ask you to come into my heart and forgive me and save me. He'll do it now. He'll do it right now. Our Father, we pray that thy spirit would touch every person within the sound of our voice right now and may someone turn to Jesus and get in the race and be bound for the promised land. We pray in his precious name, Jesus. Amen. May we stand, please. Number 252. Find that song and look at me a moment. No one leaving for just a moment. Page 252. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy with the Lord. And he will surely give you rest by trusting in his word. Would you do that just now? Just say, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want to ask you to do that. Now that means if you're here and you're not sure you're saved, you're not positive you'd go to heaven if you died right now, I want to ask you to come and meet me here at the front. And I'd like to talk with you just a moment and then pray with you and show you how to get to heaven, how to know for sure. There may be some who have been in the race, but you've had to sit on the bench haven't followed the rules and you like to say I want to get going for God again there are some here today who are members of other churches and God wants you at Glendale and I'd like to encourage you to come I want to meet you right here we'll have a word of prayer as you commit your life to serve Jesus through this church 
Would you come while we begin to sing who will step out for the king? Come right now. God bless you. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please, just for a moment. God bless you. Christians, pray. How many in this auditorium can say, Preacher, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. Just slip your hand up and hold it a moment and take it back down. God bless you. Hands down. I wonder if there's some here today who would just be honest enough to say, Preacher, I'm not sure. I'm not really sure I'm a Christian. Or I know I'm not, but I would like to be. Pray for me. I need Jesus. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'd like to pray for you. I need Jesus. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up and hold it? God bless you. 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 Are there others? I'm not saved, but I would like to be. Pray for me. Is there another? We'll wait just a moment. Anyone, anywhere? All right, now we're going to remain in prayer. I want to plead with you who lifted your hands <clears throat> to do what I do right now. Just pray in your heart the simple prayer that I pray. It's a prayer asking God to forgive your sins and to save you for Jesus' sake. You pray this. Dear Lord Jesus, standing here at the Glendale Auditorium today, I heard you speak to me. I ask you to cleanse me and forgive me and save me and take me to heaven when I die and help me to live for you here. Here's my life, Jesus. I give it to you in Jesus' name. Now, my friend, if you prayed that prayer, God heard you. I'm going to be standing here at the front. And I want to encourage you to come right now. Come with your burden. Come with your sins. Come with your need. And just give it to Jesus right now. You want to. God has been speaking to you. Come now. While the choir sings quietly, Christians pray, would you come? God help you to do it.